0: Well, it's lovely to be with you again. I think I've been here about two or three times now. Uh, I don't normally go to church on a Sunday. It's not because I don't like church, but because we we do have Sunday church, but we also have Friday church. And uh, that is an expression of a lot of the compassion work that goes on in the church that we're part of, and so normally we meet on a Friday. And one of the things we do on a Friday is we always start with a a starter question. So the starter question for you this morning is, has anyone ever asked you to do something that you thought, no way, I couldn't do that, but they said, no, go and do it, and you did it, and it was okay. Can you think of anything that has happened like that to you in your life? Yeah, invest last year. You thought you couldn't do it, and you did it. And was it all right? Amazing, great. Anything else? dancing on Thursday. Oh, dancing on Thursday. You didn't think you could do it, but you did it. Brilliant. Anything else? One more. World record. We set a world record in the high street music. You set a world record. And when we first thought the idea was coming can never do that. It's crazy. Wow. You did it. Brilliant. Good. I've just read recently, do you know what the um, the world record for the book that's most stolen from libraries in the world? Do you know what it is? It's actually the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, you just reminded me of that. I remember one time when we were in Egypt, because we spent uh, a long time there. And we'd be learning Arabic for a while. And I was beginning to get involved in some training and it was always a lovely guy. And uh, one time he said, okay, Trevor, you're due to speak now. So I got up and I was waiting for him to come beside me and he just sat there stubbornly on the seat and I'm not translating. I thought you have to, I don't know. I'm still only know Arabic a little bit. And he said, no, nope, you're going to try it in Arabic. And I looked to try and get some of the others. And none of them, they all prepared them. He said, all of them are just sitting like that. No, we're not translating. And it was painful. I thought, there's no way I can do it. And it was painful for me, probably for them. But it did help me get over a big hurdle that I thought I could never do. And it made me actually want to do more and learn more. And hopefully those kind of... Situations in our life, hopefully that question will become relevant as we think about um, Mary and Joseph. And the title is, Mary and Joseph, why them? Why did God choose them? I don't know what you think about when you think about Mary and Joseph. As you can tell from my accent, I'm from Northern Ireland. And uh, in Northern Ireland, we've got two big communities. One of them emphasizes Mary a lot. And uh, there's prayer and devotion and a lot of reverence for Mary. The other community kind of forgets about her most of the year. And around Christmas, they remember, oh, Mary. And they wheel out Mary and do a few little talks. And that's it for the rest of the year until the following Christmas. I don't know what your tradition is, but... Uh, I don't want to go to either of those extremes. In fact, as I began to look at Mary and Joseph, I began to realize how so there's so much in their lives that is not just for Christmas, but it's for the whole year. And they are a fantastic example. Uh, my wife, she said, whenever I was preparing this, she said, you know, I don't know why you say that, because I think about Mary a lot. Um, and maybe that's because she's a midwife, maybe it's because she's a woman, I'm not sure, maybe both. But uh, Mary and Joseph are a fantastic example to all of us. Of course, we know much more about Mary in the Bible because Joseph kind of disappears around the time when Jesus was 12 at the temple. We don't hear a lot more about him. Did he die? We don't know. Um, but we only see him until Jesus twelve uh, when he was 12 we know a lot more about Mary. God was wanting to send Jesus into the world as a baby. And he, could have, he needed to choose someone who would look after this child, this baby, and bring him up. And so he could have chosen lots and lots of different people, but it wasn't entirely random because there had been lots of prophecies that were given over centuries about the coming of Messiah. Even going right back to Genesis, we see that the Savior, the Rescuer of the world, was gonna come through a woman. And that was right from the very beginning. So even though there was the fall, God had planned a rescue plan. We also know that the Savior was gonna come through a virgin. In Isaiah it says that he would Emmanuel would come without an earthly father, but would come through a woman. And the family line was also prophesied that uh, that Jesus would come as the son of David. That was able to happen in two ways. One, because Mary was from David's line, but also uh, Joseph also was from David's line, and that meant even as like the adopted, he was the, the father of this, almost like adopting Jesus, because he wasn't the real earthly father. He was able to give Joseph that lineage, that title, to the throne of David as well. It also prophesied in Micah that uh, Jesus would come from Bethlehem, and uh, that's where Joseph was from. But it also talks about Nazareth. Bethlehem's near Jerusalem. Nazareth is up in the north, and Mary was from Nazareth. And so we see that God was looking to try—he needed to fit— The coming of jesus into these prophecies so he had to find some people who were ready imagine you were god who would you choose to send your son as a baby very vulnerable who would you send that baby to there were lots of people god could have chosen there was the high priests there were the chief priests living in the temple nice big building there were the scribes, the Pharisees, Levites, synagogue rulers, lots of people who had good reputation, who were serving God, who knew the scriptures. He could have chosen any of them to give Jesus to. They could have offered protection, schooling, a good home, teaching, opportunities. But they probably had lots of agendas And they would have put lots of conditions and tried to mold Jesus into the way that they thought Judaism, the religion, could use him for. So who did Jesus choose? And there's a little video, I don't know if you've seen it before, uh, produced by some New Zealand kids. And it is a lovely video that kind of imagines that scene in heaven when God is trying to decide or is deciding how He's going to send Jesus. So let's have a look at this, an unexpected Christmas.
1: Have you ever wondered what we might see if we could pull back the curtain of time to that very first Christmas? If we could. I imagine the story began in heaven, something like this. God was looking over heaven's balcony one day, shaking his head at all the wrong things people are doing down on Earth.
2: Oh, man, this isn't quite how I had imagined when I created Earth. I feel so far away from my kids down there. Why? It's just hard to be friends with people when you don't like what they're doing. I think it's time.
1: Time for what, Lord?
2: Time for us to step in. Shall we read in the army, Lord? Can't you see listen? No, I don't think we should see an army. Maybe it's just one person. What person?
1: Brilliant! we're sending just one person, we'll be someone very powerful and very strong. Because there's tons of people
2: down there. No, they don't have to be strong. They'll be going as a newborn baby.
1: A newborn baby?! Brilliant! They won't be expecting that! Lord, this plan is rather risky. A newborn human baby is small and weak. This baby must be born to people who protect him. Maybe a great ruler or mighty king?
2: Actually, I was thinking I could send a young peasant girl, whose heart is beautiful and full of courage. Oh,
1: peasant girl! Brilliant! <laughs> they won't be expecting that! My lord, I see you're planning to take Earth by surprise. No one will be expecting a newborn baby born to a humble villager. But what good can a baby do?
2: This will not just be any baby. I'm sending in the Prince of Heaven in disguise.
1: The Prince of Heaven? Our prince? Your son? Lord, this is too
2: risky. Sending the prince in disguise as a tiny baby, born not to kings but to humble villagers. Surely our prince cannot be born in a cottage. He must be born in a palace. You're right. He shouldn't be born in a cottage. You. He'll be born in a stable. are we'll looking will find him, and his mission will bring all people closer to me, even if they do something really wrong. When the prince is done, nothing will get between them and my love.
1: Can we leave some clues for the people looking? Like
2: in the stars? Clues in the stars? Sure, why not? We can make one huge one that points to him.
1: Can we sing for him? Yes! Can we sing? sing. so we can sing. God looked at their hopeful faces and his heart was touched by their love for the fence. All right, you can sing. Yay!
2: But not in front of the whole world. That would just be weird. And no kings or rulers.
1: How about we sing for some chicken? That's a lonely job. Those blokes could do with some cheering up. Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. You know the rest of the story. An angel visited from humble girl with a courageous heart and told her the good news. She will have a baby and he will be the Prince of Heaven who would help Earth to be close to God again. As planned, the baby was born in the stable about as far from a palace as you can get. A group of wise men noticed some strange clothes in the stars. They packed their belongings and followed the star white to a baby. And of course, a bunch of lonely shepherds were guiding their sheep when all of a sudden the sky was lit up by thousands of angels singing. Nobody would ever expect that.
0: Brilliant, isn't it? And, and you think it is the most radical and shocking story. I mean, if you were advising God, I guess, would you have been like one of those kids and say, no, do it like this, God, do it like that? What? You're going to do it like this? And yet that's what happened. And it is a fantastic story where Mary and Joseph are given the most responsible job in the world to look after and bring up the Son of God and normally we look at the the birth of jesus with mary and joseph but i've i've been just looking and fascinated by the whole story of mary and joseph especially mary right through the whole of her life so we're going to have a quick whistle stop tour of mary mainly mary's life because we know much more about it uh, right through from the birth to <laughs> the end of what we see but imagine yourself as a teenager imagine yourself in Mary's shoes, and all the things that happen to you. Mary was from Nazareth, which means up north, and uh, not very good with accents, but she had a northern accent, and so she was kind of looked down on. Uh, funny Galilean accent, Joseph was from up there as well. He was a, a carpenter, or maybe that meant a builder, a craftsman, or even a stonemason, we're not sure, but he was somebody who worked with his hands. So the two of them were not well educated. Um, Probably only 10% of the population were well educated at those in those days, which probably means they didn't read or write. Doesn't mean they were stupid, but they just didn't have that opportunity to read or write. And they were from the peasant class, the 90% of the people. Life was hard, they had a lot of taxes that they had to pay to Rome, to Herod, and to the temple. And the temple took 10% of their harvest, so it wasn't easy. Mary would have been uh, a a teenage girl, Joseph maybe a few years older than her, and they were engaged, or as the Bible puts it, betrothed, which is really somewhere between engagement and our marriage. So it was much more of a solid commitment that if you wanted to break, you actually had to get a divorce. Um, Even though they weren't fully married, it was almost like being fully married. So... Usually, they got betrothed, and then they got married, and then they had full um, marriage relations a few years later. Mary was a virgin, and uh, she was just a young girl, but that's what it was like in those days. And then this angel appears to her and says, that you're going to have this baby. And uh, she's amazed, she's stunned, she's afraid, she's got lots of questions. And yet, what does she say in Luke one thirty eight? an amazing verse, may it be to me according to your word. What incredible faith as a young teenager with this life-changing event that's about to come, and yet she trusts God. An angel also appears to Joseph because it's going to be hard for him as well and uh, to have his fiancée, who he's not meant to have a relationship with, now pregnant. And so he had this idea not to expose her publicly, but to divorce her quietly, to help her avoid the shame. But the angel appears to him as well to basically tell him the story of what's going to happen. And uh, because I can just imagine Joseph, you know, if if he if he getting rid of her is one thing. But if he keeps her and then the baby begins to show, then people are saying, oh, you're not fully married yet. What's going on here? Yeah, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And it would have been very difficult. But the angel appears to both of them, helps them, and it does say that Joseph took her to be his wife, but they had no relations until after the baby was born. So, she's pregnant. They're together, they stay together, and then she goes and gets some support from her cousin, which was lovely. And uh, she sings this incredible song she'd never been to school where did she get all this from just from the synagogue i don't know but it is full of amazing truth and deep theology and uh, was she inspired to sing it i don't know but it's fantastic to see the song that mary sings and there's lots of lovely versions of that it's cosmic it is amazing truth Then they travel, they have to fill in census forms. They weren't able to do it by post, they weren't able to do it by online, so they had to actually travel to be counted. And then they find there's nowhere to stay because everywhere is so busy. And she has the baby in what was some kind of stable or maybe a cave. It was certainly not... A nice uh, delivery room. We've had three children, we've had one in a hospital, one in a clinic, and one at home. Um, but even the one at home was much better than kind of this <laughs> this sort of thing. And uh, when the, the baby was born, and they had to put the baby in this, this uh, thing for animals that they were feeding from, no mention of cleanliness, no mention of pain relief, no mention of a midwife or a helper being there. I mean, They were just there on their own, it seems, and they had this baby and looked after the baby. What an amazing start for the saviour of the world. And Mary must have been wondering, what on earth is going on? How can I have this responsibility? And Joseph as well. Then they have visitors, shepherds, who were really not well regarded in that society. Your first visitors are shepherds, is this really the right welcome for the king of kings? And then they get these weird foreigners, not even the local kings, but they're coming from Iraq or Iran or somewhere way out there, and they bring these three strange gifts. I guess the gold would have been useful when they have to flee to Egypt. Um, Frankincense, well, that was a sign of divinity. That must have been a strange gift for them to have. And then the final one, we have to be careful in Northern Ireland when we get people to prepare for the nativity story because the final gift is what? Yeah, well, there's a myrrh. <laughs> That's what we call myrrh. Not that, no. It was a different kind of incense. It sounds the same to us. A Myrrh. But the myrrh was a foretaste of Jesus' death and burial. It was one of those spices that was used for death. And Mary's got gold, she's got frankincense, and now she's got myrrh. It must have been really quite confusing for this teenage girl with a baby and these weird gifts, but yet she coped and carried on. Forty days later, they take Jesus to the temple, and there they meet Simeon and Anna, and Simeon gives gives them some Amazing prophecies. And just imagine Mary as this teenager hearing what he says. First thing, that this baby is going to be a light. A, he's going to be a light to reveal God, not just to the Jews, but to the nations. That's pretty radical. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. This little baby is going to be the glory and light to the nations. He will cause many to fall and others to rise. Ooh, it sounds like he's going to have pretty important life. He's sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. So Mary's being prepared early and Joseph for some kind of opposition. And then, as a result, a sword will pierce your soul, your very soul. This teenager with a new baby, 40 days old, whatever happens in this baby's life as he grows up, a sword is going to pierce my soul bit shocking, isn't it? And yet, she coped. Then, around probably the second year, somewhere between year one and two of Jesus' life, they there's a threat that all the babies are going to be killed. Again, very worrying. And they become a refugee and have to flee to Egypt. And they raise Jesus in Egypt. After some time, um, an angel comes and says, Right, it's okay, go back. And uh, they're kind of, hang on, you mean to Bethlehem? No, that was dangerous. Herod was there, uh, he's gone, his son is there. Could still be very dangerous. And God accommodates those fears and gives them a dream and says, okay, don't go back to Bethlehem, go back up north to Galilee. So they did, they went back from Egypt up to Galilee. We don't hear any more about Jesus' early life Uh, until he's about um, 12. And they go from the north down to Jerusalem, which would have been about a four-day walk. And there, what happens? They go to the temple. What happens to Jesus? They're on their way back up north, another four-day walk, and they've lost him. No phone, no GPS, nothing. They have to go and find Jesus, and they find him in the temple. And they are amazed that he's engaging with deep conversations with all these religious leaders who have had all this schooling. And he says, ah, I have to be about my father's business. And Mary doesn't understand. Joseph probably didn't either, but Mary treasured these things in her heart. It's just an amazing journey for her now with a 12-year-old. What is this guy like? Then, later on, we don't see her again until... Uh, there's a wedding they go to, and uh, the wine runs out, which is a really important thing for that thing. And what does Mary do? She said, don't worry, my son will sort it out. Now, Jesus hadn't really begun his ministry at that time, but Mary's prodding him. She said, Jesus, you've got to do something. they lo- haven't got enough wine, and we need it. So what does he do? He kind of gives in to his mom, and... Uh, creates between 600 and 900 bottles of excellent French wine. Uh, Well, no, sorry, not French. Uh, Excellent wine Uh, from that area, from the water, brilliant. Then we don't see her again until she's following, obviously following Jesus around, and Jesus is in a house with lots of people, and Mary and Jesus' brothers come, and Jesus is told inside the crowded house, Your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And what does he say? My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and carry it out. I wonder what Mary thought then. Hang on, I've done all this for 30 years. I've brought you up, and now you're saying your mother is not me. And it's though, what's going on? And I guess what Jesus was doing was, was saying, the family relationship that he had enjoyed so much is now available to all who follow me. My mother, my brothers, are those who hear the word of God and carry it out. And that includes Mary um, and the brothers who were following Jesus as well. Then we see Mary last at the cross. What was going through her mind then? This light to the Gentiles, savior of the world, king of kings, and now he's being killed? Did she understand what was going on? Even if she did, the pain of it must have been excruciating for her. Her son, the saviour of the world, and yet glory in the pain and the suffering. Which she then is there at the resurrection. She goes to the tomb three days later, and Mary is there again at the tomb and the resurrection, last at the cross and first at the tomb. Amazing faith that she had. And then we next see her at Pentecost when the Church of Christ was born, when the Spirit lit the flame. And this community that Jesus had been modeling of of people following him, Mary was part of that on Pentecost. So that's your story as a teenager, from a teenager through 30, 33 years, bringing up Jesus from a baby, through childhood, through adolescence, going into ministry, and then seeing him killed, rising from the dead, and then leaving. That's a pretty wild ride for a teenager, isn't it? It's amazing, and it leaves me thinking, well, why Mary and Joseph? Why them? And when I look at them and I think, well, they seemed to be ordinary people. God didn't choose the high and mighty, the people with power and influence. He chose ordinary people. It gives me hope because I see that God really can use ordinary people to fulfill his promises and his desires in this world. It also reminds me that God had a different way a third way that didn't depend on politics and religion in the in Palestine in that first century there was rome and there was judaism and the temple and all that went with it two huge powerful institutions and what does god do chooses a way in between the lot he didn't depend on those big powerful people and institutions. And so God can do something different in our world. Also, they were willing to you to endure shame, despite what people think. It could have been very, very difficult for them. I'm sure you've heard of honor killings that happen around the world when a girl gets pregnant outside of marriage. And often to protect the honor of a family, the girl can be killed. And it really was a big, big shame if it had been discovered. We don't know if it was or not, but uh, they stuck together, they trusted God, and overcame any potential shame or what people might think. They also overcame fear. God must have been looking for somebody who, yes, would be afraid. It's a very natural reaction, but would overcome it with enough faith, maybe just enough faith, to get to the next step. And so that's encouraging as well. They were also willing to look after the gift that God gave them. They took God at his word, they looked after this baby, raised Jesus, and uh, were good stewards of the gift that they were given. They were also willing to suffer They had to flee. They came back, not sure what was going to happen. They saw suffering in the life of Jesus, and they were willing to go along with that. And the final thing I noticed was they were willing to trust God's word for the unknown. They didn't really know all the steps that were going to happen. They were given clues, but they were willing to take the next step and trust God's word. For the unknown and so that makes me think why me why you what about you I don't know your lives I don't know what all you've been through um, but are there some things we can learn from the life of Mary and Joseph do you feel like an ordinary person anyone here mix regularly with royalty or the powerful or whatever that's fine if you do but if you don't if you're just like one of the ordinary people god can use you god likes to choose ordinary people and use ordinary people in extra ways do you feel like you don't have much power or influence it doesn't matter the church of god is working all over the world without power and influence to do amazing things I'm where i'm going next week the people despite risks to their lives are doing incredible work which is wonderful to see without power or influence or respect from governments and quite fact quite the opposite and yet god is using them to see brilliant things happen what about shame do you feel that you're not worthy do you feel oh well i'm not good enough to be used by god well that doesn't matter god takes us Cleanses us, cleans us, gives us opportunity, commissions us to do things for Him. What do you feel afraid? Do you know that God is asking you to do something? Or maybe you're just afraid to trust God in case He asks you to do something that might be difficult. That's okay. Following Jesus doesn't mean not having questions or not being afraid, but It's okay to talk back to God. He can handle that. He said, but God, I don't think I can do that. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. It might be dangerous or whatever. That's okay. But like Mary, just be prepared to take that step and help. Let God help you overcome those fears. They received a gift. You have all received many gifts. If I was able to go around each person I'm sure I would be amazed at the different gifts that you have all been given by God to use in lots and lots of different ways. And we all have been graced, been blessed by God with gifts to love him, serve him, serve each other, and serve the world around us. Willing to suffer? Yeah, there is a cost in following Jesus, and we will all find that in our own ways. It might be something severe, but it might just be people insult us or don't like us or laugh at us. Whatever that it is, it doesn't matter. Following Jesus is worth all of that. Willing to trust God. He knows what's best. He knows what you can do and what you can't do. So if God is asking you to do something, well, then he knows you can do it and he'll help you do it. So we have a choice to choose. Do we trust God? God or do we trust our own feelings of inadequacy in not being able to do something so back to that verse that uh, Mary said right in the early stage she said in Luke may I am the Lord's servant let it happen as you have said I'm the Lord's servant let it happen as you have said what about you can you say that I hope I can, despite the maybe fear, trepidation, not sure where it could lead and all the rest of it. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe no one has ever asked you to say yes to following Jesus. And this is an opportunity where you could do that. It may be that you are following Jesus and this is just a, a gentle reminder to keep going. And that's good. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time and you're thinking, oh no, I've had enough maybe you feel a bit jaded and there's a need to renew commitment again looking at the life of mary and joseph is an opportunity for us to stop whatever stage of life we're in whatever uh, situations we find ourselves in to say yes again to following jesus if you like to talk about that or receive prayer i'm sure there's lots of people here who could do that But this Christmas uh, season is an opportunity, not just for December, but for our lives to remember how people like Mary and Joseph said yes to God and how he used them. So let's pray and let's thank God and say yes to him. As God we thank you that you use ordinary people, thank you that that's your way. And we come to you as ordinary people We thank you that like Mary and Joseph and many others named and unnamed right throughout scripture, you are able and want to use ordinary people. And so we pray you'd help us to say yes to whatever you're saying, no matter how big or small, whatever the challenge, whatever we might think, help us to say yes to you, knowing that as we follow you, that's the way we find real fulfillment real purpose in life real joy peace and happiness thank you for this reminder as we think about christmas and your son coming into the world help us to celebrate help us to focus not just in this month but in the years to come as we say yes to you amen